will know to avoid the things we just talked about. But there are notable regional differences. For instance, in Pingdong County down in the south, and in Ilan County in the northeast, there's an elaborate Ghost Month obstacle course weighed down with heavy offerings to the ghosts that contestants race up, trying to be the first to grab one of the flags at the top of the course. <laughs> then there's the northern port city of Keelong, where a violent page of local history in the 19th century is still commemorated each year with elaborate temple celebrations that originally represented community healing, but have since become a national spectacle every time Ghost Month comes around. No matter where you are, this Ghost Month is a time of year to witness a special side of Taiwanese culture and maybe give your own respects to those who've passed on. I'm Curious John, and I'll see you again next week. This is Radio Taiwan International. Ladies and gentlemen, here's Shirley Lin with In the Spotlight. Today I'm at the home of Yan Yan Wu and Colin Gao, who are the creators of Dim Sum Warriors. This is a um, comic book series. They're actually originally from Singapore, but uh, they had spent the last uh, 20 years in New York and they've been here in Taiwan for two years. I've always wondered why they're here in Taiwan. <laughs> yeah, why are you here in Taiwan? By happy accident, I <laughs> Happy think. accident, yeah. So we arrived in Taiwan because I was invited by Zhongyang Dashi, National Central University, to be a visiting professor. Um, and then we came and fell in love with Taiwan and decided to, to stay. And um, we also came with our daughter and when she was here, yeah. yeah, she arrived and she knew zero Chinese. And it turned out to be a really good place to, to learn Chinese. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So she started from zero and now she's doing very well. The teachers are fantastic. And we thought, you know, this is a, a good place for her to, to learn more about being Chinese and to learn the language. Good choice. Very good choice. <laughs> <laughs> so now actually, Colin, you are a lawyer. Yes, I yeah, and then now you're doing comics. <laughs> well, uh, yes, my, my, my parents obviously also keep asking that question. Comics has always been my, you know, my passion, passion. Ever, ever since I was a kid. Um, and I started cartooning professionally at 17. At that time, it was just not possible in Singapore to, to make a living doing cartoons. It, it just didn't exist as a possibility. Yes, but, they rely heavily on you know, good education in Singapore. That's what we learn too. Yeah. I think for most middle class families, the path is always in you know, all the shoes, right? To be a teacher, to be a lawyer, to be an accountant, um, doctor. Um, yeah. Same here. So <laughs> the middle class families, it's always like that. So I think that's a path that he, he went yeah. on to be a lawyer. Yeah, it just didn't exist. To me, it was always like, oh yeah, it's, it's something I could do as, as, as a hobby. But times change. When we first left for New York, we had just gotten married. We both actually went there for graduate school. So I went there and I got my master's in law. I didn't go there for cartooning. Uh, <laughs> I had been practicing for a few years in, in Singapore. And we went uh, to New York. I, we both went to Columbia University. I got my master's in law and she went for her uh, doctorate in education. But we also noticed that, you know, the arts, you could make a living. That's 
very encouraging here, and I think Taiwanese parents need to hear this. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's right. not easy, but it's you know no no career is easy. None of what we learned in law or uh, education it's still very useful in, mm. in the arts. Mm -hmm. You don't have to be one thing. That that's also a lesson we we learn from our time in New York. You don't have to be one thing. You mm. can be many things. So yeah, uh, we decided to channel all the things that we knew into whatever we wanted to do. Right. So that's how we stumbled into filmmaking. We didn't go to film school. Yeah. Actually, we started by we we made a website that was hugely popular in Singapore. So we were getting like four million hits every month on this website. Yeah, we got um, covered in Wired. What's and on Time. the website? Okay, so it's satirical humor. So the the name is a little bit. Um, so it's called TalkingCop.com. Uh -huh. um, so it was a very well known site in Singapore. Um, and and um, it means uh, uh, to shoot the breeze with friends, like to chat with friends. Um, it's a bit naughty. It's a bit naughty. Um, and then we had also, so we, we satirical humor about life in Singapore. So we were away and missing Singapore. So we created this website um, and then it got hugely popular. And a key feature of the website is actually a crowdsourced Singlish dictionary because we were we really love Singapore English um, <laughs> and we enjoy it so much. Uh, so it's, it's usually very funny. It's, yeah, it's a funny and, mix of languages. Mm -hmm. uh, and when our friends get together, we kind of like break into Singlish. So we're like, hey, we should, somebody should document this. So, so we decided to, a big feature of the website was actually the Singlish dictionary. So we called it, you know, how uh, we have the Oxford Singlish Dictionary. Yes. For us, because our website is talkingcock.com, we called it the Coxford Singlish Dictionary. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So so we collected multiple items from the people and then it became a book and it's been selling the book has been selling gets reprinted all the time till today. Wow. Yeah, that was yeah, yeah it's eighteen okay. years. Eighteen, 18 years, years in yeah. print. So oh, wow. Um, you know, I'm thinking that my audience, I want them to know, for them to create the comics, you think that it's all just silly and fun, but actually you're incorporating this into education yeah. because you're in the education background, you're in law background. Anyway, you're making this into something that's positive, which is really unusual. So how did you guys, I mean, even now you've come up with... Um, what is it, dim sum book app? Book yeah, the, uh, app, com right? comic reader app. So we have the, the series that uh, you're looking at, the dim sum warrior. So mm. that book, that series is for ages 7 to 12, published by Scholastic. And oh. then we have another series, which is called The Little Dim Sum Warriors. Yeah. So this is bilingual. So it's English on one side and flip over and it's Chinese. You guys are really smart. Yeah. You know, this yeah. So and then this, uh, it's coming out as uh, a comic reader app that's bilingual, helps kids learn English and Chinese. Um, we just want to make sure that kids grow up you know, globally competent, not just like learning languages for tests, but really having fun with languages, being able to express boldly and creatively. Um, so, so that's our goal with the Dim Sum Warrior. So the app is going to be launched soon, actually, probably by the time this airs. Oh, wow. Yeah. This is amazing. I wish that family with kids have known you earlier because... <laughs> You know, as it is, town is yeah. trying to become a bilingual country, but mm -hmm. here, you know, not a lot of time, but mm -hmm. uh, it means really um, telling Taiwanese people to be more bold about speaking English, because mm -hmm. Taiwanese people are, they're shy, um, they're very friendly, but they're just shy, and they're, they're not very confident about their English. You know, if they had known you earlier, this would have been a great tool to really build up the confidence in learning It's, it's not too late. <laughs> Okay, true. It's never too late. As we yeah. found out, I mean, part of this was inspired by our daughter. 
mm. uh, when she first moved to Taiwan because she couldn't speak Chinese yeah. very much. Um, and there were great teachers, but we found there weren't enough bilingual materials, I guess, that were fun. There was a lot of very traditional books, you know, very strong morals, mm -hmm. not, not very fun to read. Mm -hmm. So that's when we came up with the Little Timson Warriors series. We thought, you know, we want something silly to say because that's what kids want, right? They want to talk in, in a funny way. They want to say, they want to tell jokes to their friends. And that's how we came up with the idea. Let's have fun stories um, right. that can be read in both languages. Mm -hmm. And it was important to be read in both languages because then the kids can also see the, the act of translation. Right. How things match up, and you know that's a wow, and they learn translation at the same time too. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Oh wow, this is really great. You're listening to In the Spotlight with Shirley Lin. So, can you tell us just exactly what kind of content <laughs> is in the comic? Like, you know, okay, give an so example. It's it's kung fu fighting dumplings, basically. Right. <laughs> And they have a so so they are three cute dumplings. So the three cute dumplings is we love Gangsu Dianxing, like like Hong Kong. I figured that out. <laughs> Cantonese dim sum. Yes. Um, and it's always you know for us it's always hanging out with family and enjoying dim sum together. So so the three key characters are Xia Jiao, Shao Mai, and Cha Sha Bao. Okay. So those are the three key characters. You um, have the English equivalent for those characters. Yes. Yeah, so it's it's a, it's a barbecue a roast pork bun. Cha Sha Bao. Cha Sha Bao. Shrimp, uh, shrimp dumpling, which is a and pork and shrimp dumpling, which is a shaman. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right. So those I three are the key characters, <laughs> yes. and then they battle uh, a pot of evil instant ramen, which is fang bian mian shang xiao. so you know because fang bian mian is so you know, delicious. Mian is delicious but evil, but right? Yeah, there's no zero nutrition. <laughs> but so delicious um, okay. yeah so we realized that kids really enjoy the silliness of these three key characters um, and then they uh, so the message is really you know so use your heart with everything that you do because dim sum means a little bit of heart Ah, yeah. 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 right yeah. yeah it's a little bit of heart heart yeah Xin use is your heart, heart. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so the whole the whole book series has a lot of kind of our focus is really on global competence right so so things like what if you meet themselves of another culture what happens like how do you how do you make those um, how do you uh, accept others as yourself um, how do you resolve conflicts with each other so all the there are a lot of values which are communicated in a very hilarious and in mm. hilarious and fun stories. Yeah. yeah, and when after this came out, um, so we first published the the, the graphic novel series came first, okay. and um, after that, what happened was it got adapted into a stage musical. Yeah. In Shanghai. Shanghai. Uh, by Lai Shengchuan. Right, who's standing at life, yeah. who's a pretty popular. Um, Stage director, stage musical film director yeah. from Taiwan. From Taiwan, I went to China. Right. And so, but he met us yeah. in New York. Yeah, oh. so we were introduced to him by our director, Mei An. Uh -huh. So, Tio Mei An is also Singaporean based in New York. Um, and then Mei An connected us with Lai uh, Lao Yes. Um, Stan and then Stan and then they also and then Mian also connected us with our composer who's Tu Yun who's a Shanghainese uh, mm. American mm -hmm. and her, the, the composer. So we did and that was in 2017. We premiered the 
the musical mm. version in Shanghai. Uh. And we were very lucky that year because Stu Yun, our composer, won the Pulitzer Prize for music. music yeah. And uh, yeah, so it was So in 2018, crazy. the show managed to tour 25 cities in, in, China. in, China. in China. So we're watching, we're like kind of looking at all these kids, we're going on tour and then seeing all these kids getting really excited about the dim sum characters. And then we're like, we've got to do something about this. So the year after that, so last year, um, I left uh, academia, so I was a professor, yes. and decided to start Yamcha Studios in Singapore to really grow uh, Dim Sum Warriors as the company as an educational right. app so that more people can enjoy the stories and use it for, for learning. Wow, this is amazing. Now with the stage play, did you guys have a part in the costumes and everything? Because they're awesome. You know, um, they have we the headwear, where yeah. it was a dim sum, the, the, yeah. the food itself, but so then the costume. It's designed by, our, we have a wonderful designer from Hong Kong, um, Yoki Lai, and okay. she, she designed the costume. So our, our role was really as writers, so writers. we wrote, wrote the, the, the book. Yeah, it was, it was a very interesting uh, production because we had Chinese people from all over the, the world, different parts of the right? Yeah. So we had Taiwanese, we had from China, yes. obviously, and even from the different parts of parts, China. From Taiwan, from different parts of China. China. And then, and then so, from Singapore, and, you know, it, yeah. it's, it's... So it's really like Asian people from yes. all over the place. So it was very interesting because they, we had arguments over what, it, like, there was one segment where we had to talk about the ingredients of Shao Mai. Mm -hmm. um, and we had really regional arguments. So <laughs> like, no, Hong Kong Shanghai has pork and shrimp. And then the, the Shanghainese people, no, it's got beef and normie, which is glutinous rice. Was this rice. made into an, an episode of its own? Because that would have been interesting. No, no, it wasn't. It was very funny. <laughs> yeah. I know. Yeah. You know, it's funny because now that I come to think of it, I love Shanghai, but I don't even know what's really in it. Yeah. Like all I do is just care about eating it and just yeah. say yum, you know. And Shanghai is different at different places. Yeah. And Yotao is also different at different places. Oh, in I, some I places, Yotao, it's curled together. Uh -huh. In some places, they're two parallel sticks stuck together. Don't you think that food is an international language? I think, I think so. so. And I, I feel like in food, there are actually no enemies. and Which is why we love working with food and sending our message of kind of, you know, global peace through food that is wonderful so what other aspects educational wise mm -hmm. that you've thought about because i think you two are very smart people and you really <gasps> and besides you know you're turning something into so positive and so educational and such high learning for kids and everything that even parents would approve a hundred percent how do you come up with these ideas? Well, you have a daughter to experiment on, I guess. <laughs> yes. And she gives you guys ideas as well. Yeah. She's she a does. Kid, yeah. you know? She does. Yeah, so it's just amazing. I don't think Taiwan knows this as well as maybe China or Singapore. Yeah. We, ha we haven't really started. Um, yeah. But then so, again, you've only been here for two years. Yeah, okay. so we, our work has been... So I do a lot of education research. And so in the research, it showed several things are very good for language learning. Uh, so for example, comics are fantastic for language learning. So the research has shown that. And the reason is because, one, kids love comics, right? So they love to read it. Two, it's actually called multimodal learning, multimodalities. Um, and the reason is because comics, even if you, you can talk about very deep topics by looking at the graphics. So the learning is scaffolded and supported by graphics, by sound effects and so on. Want to learn more about the Dim Sum Warriors comic series? Well, tune in next week on In the Spotlight. I'm Shirley Lin. <laughs> 
classic shorts, poems, and stories from Chinese literature. Hi, I'm Natalie. So today we look at some of the poems of the late Tang Dynasty poet Wen Tingyun. Now, Wen was known as the first distinctive writer of Si, a lyrical style of poetry that dominated Chinese poetry during much of the late Tang Dynasty and the Song Dynasty. Now, this type of poetry was often used between men and women to express their love and feelings for one another. So let's go back to the bustling capital city of Chang'an during the Tang Dynasty and listen to Wen Tingyun's observations of the times. This poem is called Jade Lute Reproach. Icy bamboo mat, silver bed, lost dreams, jade green sky like water, frail night clouds, cry of a distant wild goose over Shang River. The icy bamboo mat, silver bed and lost dreams seem to paint a picture of unfulfilled desires. Here's another poem by Wen Tingyun expressing the desires of a woman while she's putting on her makeup. This one is called Buddha-like barbarian. Buddha-like barbarian. Layer on layer of little hills. Gold shimmer and fade. Cloud locks hover over the fragrant snow of a cheek. Lazily rising to paint on mouth, eyebrows. Dallying with makeup and hair. Blossoms are mirrored behind and before. Flowers, faces, reflect one another. Newly embroidered on a jacket of silk are pair after pair of golden partridges. The first two lines describe the screen in a woman's home, while the pair of golden partridges is a symbol of conjugal happiness. The poem seems to paint a picture of the yearnings of a woman for marital happiness. The next work is a beautiful one describing a night banquet, which is the title of the poem, describing beautiful women and scenes and unfulfilled desires. A night banquet, the long hairpins, a pair of dragonflies 
in her dangling locks, where the green fields and, and hills slant, painted screens open. The curly whiskered duke's son and guests of the five marquis, and one round down a thousand cups, like rain from the roof tiles. Phoenix-throated, the beauties sing seamlessly with perfection. Brows contract, Shang River mist, sleeves are whirling snow. In this clear night, kind feelings are shared by one and all, so don't let the canal waters part east and west. Set upright, the candles weep, their scented beads wane. Dark dew and morning wind, gauze curtains chill. Imposing halberd banners flutter in ranks. Their twenty-four poles are dragon-bedecked. Shrill pipes, flurried strings, a piece in symphony. Tiny ripples in scented goblets, darkness toss off the spring brew. In the high rooms, guests disperse mid so many apricot blossoms. With yearning, the new frog moon stares down with amorous eyes. Those are the works of Wen Qingyun, a famous late Tang Dynasty poet, describing some of the longings and desires of women in the capital city of Chang'an in the Tang Dynasty. Thanks for tuning in the Classic Shorts. I'm Natalie So. listening to News Playlist. We've queued up some of the most interesting reports for you, brought to you by Radio Taiwan International. Welcome to News Playlist. I'm Paula Chow, the program host. Tradition holds that at 11 p.m. on August 18, the doors of the underworld opened, as they do once every year. This marks the beginning of the annual Ghost Month, a time during the late summer when spirits are temporarily released from the underworld to wander among the living. If it sounds scary, that's because it is. This is no Halloween, and traditional-minded people would take the many taboos observed during Ghost Month quite seriously. Don't get pregnant, be careful what you say, and whatever you do, avoid bodies of water at all costs. These are just some of the traditional do's and don'ts that are observed each year during Ghost Month. And, as you might be able to tell, they're mostly don'ts. 
Ghost Month is now upon us again, and there's no end to the number of ways you can accidentally upset the spirits that wander the earth at this time of year. For instance, you might buy a new house, break ground on a new construction project, or sign a real estate contract. As you might expect, the real estate market here grinds to a halt during Ghost Month. But for those who really must go ahead with some unlucky activity or other, there are some loopholes that can get you out of trouble. For instance, one real estate company executive suggests holding a groundbreaking or renovation ceremony before Ghost Month starts, so that, technically, the date the contract is signed doesn't matter. Well, if you're not afraid of ghosts, it might be worth a try anyway. John Van Trieste, RTI News. A new report by Greenpeace shows that over 2,100 square kilometers of land in Taiwan will become flood risk if carbon emissions go unregulated. If something isn't done about global carbon emissions, 2,100 square kilometers of land in Taiwan will become flood risks by 2050. That's the latest from a report conducted by environmental NGO Greenpeace. Carbon emissions are responsible for global warming, which cause ice sheets to melt into the ocean, in turn prompting sea levels to rise. Taiwan will become more susceptible to storm surges wrought on by typhoons because of rising sea levels. Greenpeace says that currently global sea levels are rising by about 1.9 millimeters a year. If trends continue, then sea levels in Taiwan will rise by 0.56 meters by 2050. Under that circumstance, sea levels may rise by as much as 1.62 meters during storm surges. This would negatively impact densely populated areas. The rise in sea levels poses a safety threat to people living in all six of Taiwan's major municipalities. 750,000 inhabitants in New Taipei City alone would be affected. Greenpeace is calling on all local governments to evaluate how climate change will affect their areas and make adjustments as needed. It says that climate change is already a huge threat and immediate response is necessary. Leslie Liao, RTI News. Well known fact, Taiwanese people love food. Lesser known fact, Taiwanese people also waste a lot of food. The Environmental Protection Agency says that last year, up to 590,000 tons of food went to waste in Taiwan. If you were to put all this into full-sized food waste bins and stack them on top of each other, they would reach the height of 13,500 Taipei 101s. Now, some people in the central county of Nantou have a good idea about how to put this wasted food to good use. What do you usually use for fertilizer? In several greenhouses in Zhushan, Nantou County, plants are flourishing and flowers are bloom. The people growing these beautiful plants have something special up their sleeves. They are a group of garbage collectors who use food waste as fertilizer. There's no need to worry about the smell. The waste is drained of excess moisture, minced, and then fermented for three months until it becomes organic fertilizer. Zhushan's garbage collectors say they are using the fertilizer to grow their own flowers. They have been decorating common spaces with these planters, even donating some to local schools. Zhushan Township's mayor thinks it would be a good idea to give these plants to locals who wish to decorate their living spaces, too. This use of food scraps for fertilizer seems to be a growing trend. There are 50 facilities just like the one in Zhushan across Taiwan. The Environmental Protection Agency says it will provide funding to cities and counties in order to allow them to purchase their own fertilizer makers. That way, they will be able to make fertilizer for all. Catherine Wei, RTI News. 
This is News Playlist, a weekly rundown of some of the most interesting news reports brought to you by RTI. Watch along on YouTube if you like, or close your eyes and enjoy these stories by way of sound. For people using only sign language to communicate, facial expressions and lip reading is as important to them as signing with their hands. But as COVID-19 spreads on in the world, this has become more challenging because people are wearing masks all the time. The pandemic is going on. You need to wear a mask, but you work in a noisy environment like a bubble tea shop. Even if you shout, your customers may not be able to hear you, so you remove it for them to read your lips. In the time of COVID-19, masks can make communication a little harder, especially for those who have hearing disabilities. Dandelion Hearing and Language Association CEO Xie Lifang says visual cues are essential for them to ensure clearer communication. The government is working on a solution to this problem by designing a new kind of mask that is partially transparent. These masks are designed for those who work or live with people with hearing disabilities. It will make everyday communication easier for both parties. There are 124,000 people with hearing disabilities in Taiwan, and the government estimates another 248,000 people will be needing these special masks. The Ministry of Economic Affairs says these masks will still be effective in filtering out germs and viruses, as they are structured like ordinary medical-grade masks. Catherine Wei, RTI News. Julian Temple is the only place in northern Taiwan that holds a coming-of-age ceremony for 16-year-olds. This year is no exception. The ceremony was held on Tuesday, the seventh day of the seventh lunar month, which happens to be Chinese Valentine's Day. The day was chosen because it is the birthday of the deity enshrined in the temple. In line with the tradition, 16-year-olds crawl through a coming-of-age pavilion one by one. They also had their good luck charms removed from their neck as they turned 16, which symbolized that they are now mature enough to take care of themselves. Julian Temple is over 200 years old. Every year, 16-year-olds get together to attend the ceremony that is designed especially for this transition to adulthood. Two female students said the ceremony is a symbol of growing up. Another 16-year-old said turning 16 means being more responsible as family members no longer take care of everything for them. The coming-of-age ceremony attracted about 1,000 participants. Xinju Deputy Mayor Shen Huihong says the ceremony helps preserve Taiwan's traditional culture. With their natural beauty, rich history, and local cuisine, the Matsu Islands have long been popular among tourists from other parts of Taiwan. This year, the islands have become a particularly hot travel destination as COVID-19 leads Taiwanese tourists to rediscover domestic attractions. They may not be quite as big or fancy as the Olympics, but Taiwan's biennial island games do come with a kind of pomp and pageantry of their own. And unlike the Olympics, the island games are at least still on. These games highlight Taiwan's three major groups of outlying islands, Penghu, Kinmen, and this year's host, Mazu. The eight official island game sports include slow-pitch softball, darts, and because these are islands we're talking about, rock fishing. The games will take place from September 18th to 20th. 
This week, the county heads from two of the island groups flew to Taipei to promote the event. The backdrop of this year's games, Qinbi Village on Mazu's Beigan Island, is reason enough to come. This village has been called the Mediterranean of Mazu for its seaside views. And of course, as the visiting county heads pointed out, after a long day of watching competitions, visitors can down an invigorating shot of the Mazu Island's famous sorghum liquor. John Van Trieste, RTI News. And that's all we have for this week's edition of News Playlist for Radio Taiwan International. I'm Paula Chow. Bye-bye. It was definitely to have a new experience. I think growing up, we were surrounded by the Caribbean and the Atlantic Ocean. You really want to know what the world has to offer. Chemistry is my passion. And so when I was looking for somewhere to come, I was also looking at the technological and the scientific development of the country. Hello and welcome to this week's On The Line, brought to you by Radio Taiwan International. I'm Carlson Wong. St. Vincent and the Grenadines gained its independence from the Great Britain in 1979 and has had diplomatic ties with Taiwan since 1981. The Embassy of St. Vincent and the Grenadines was opened in August in Taipei in 2019. August marks the first year of the opening of the embassy and two Vincentian students Nikita Tony and Cerulia Aberdeen said during the interview that students from St. Vincent and the Grenadines form an association which is well connected to the embassy in Taiwan. The embassy, they added, has provided assistance to them and has been very helpful. There are currently more than 100 students from St. Vincent and the Grenadines in Taiwan. To find out more about their learning experience in Taiwan, we are joined today in our studio by two students from St. Vincent and the Grenadines, Nikita Tony and Cerulia Aberdeen. We start with why you both decided to come to Taiwan to study all the way from the Caribbean. Okay. Um, for me, it was definitely to have a new experience. I think growing up, we were surrounded by the Caribbean and the Atlantic Ocean. You really want to know what the world has to offer. So I wanted to see the, the other side of the world. And so I applied for the scholarship. Also, it's a great opportunity. We know that many of us may not have the income to source a higher level education. And so this was a chance to have that education come to you as free as possible. So I took it, and I'm glad I did. No regrets. Cerulea? Mm -hmm. For me, it was a fascination with Taiwan's culture. I have always been fascinated by East Asian culture, and so that was a great motivator for me. On top of that, it was that I wanted to go somewhere there was a, where there was a strong-based Vincentian community, and Taiwan has that for me, where I have my friends here to support me no matter what. And so, like Nikita said, I haven't regretted my decision to come to this beautiful country to study. You said you have your friends here to support. There are more than 100 students from St. Vincent and the Grenadines. Is there a student's association here in Taiwan that helps you when you encounter a problem? Yes, definitely. There is a Vincentians in Taiwan Association, which I happen to be the 
communications officer for. Okay. So, <laughs> yes, we are here. We've been here for many years. There are a lot of students who still are in contact with us, even though they are back at home. So our main motivation is to keep the students contacted, keep them connected, keep our networks forming with other student associations. And thus far, it has been remarkably well. The students are with us, they support us, and we're happy for that. Um, right now, we're also working alongside the embassy to ensure that the students participate in whatever the event may be, especially as, as it regards to the embassy being new. So we need that sort of support from all Vincentians that live in Taiwan. Mm -hmm. So there is a great connection, would you say, that uh, Cerulea between the embassy and the Students Association as well? Mm, we have a very great connection with our embassy and the Students Association. Our embassy has strived over the year to support us in as much ways as they can possibly can. They have tried to ensure that we form relationships with each other and keep those relationships. They have been, I would say, like, like a mother and a father trying to oversee all of their little children that are residing in Taiwan. They have been very helpful throughout the year that they have been established. The Embassy of St. Vincent and the Grenadines has been established in Taiwan for a year right now. Mm. So does the fact, actually, from what you have said, the fact that the presence of the embassy here in Taiwan really helps the students a lot? Yes, it, it does. I think for us, even I spent a year here before the embassy came. And yes, we were represented because we have our great cultural ambassador Peggy Carr with us. She's really a standing stone for us as far as it comes to being in connection with one another. But with the embassy now, we're well represented. Our voices will be heard because we no longer have to what if we tell the ambassador or the minister council what's going on and they will try their best to sort the situation out. So I think we're more better. We were represented, but now we're better well represented. Mm. So, so really, uh, what kinds of problems do students normally encounter in Taiwan when um, you need to seek help or assistance from the embassy? I think that one of the number one problems is it's often a culture shock because on the western side of the world, it's very different to Taiwan. So a culture shock in terms of the food, a culture shock in terms of interacting with the, the people of Taiwan. And so our embassy and not only our embassy, but our association has helped a lot with that. Our association, one of the main things that I really love about our association is that on our arriving here because I just arrived in Taiwan. Today would actually make a year since I've been in Taiwan. Our association met us at the airport and they carried us around. They showed us how to deal with our ARC. They showed us how to get our health insurance. They showed us a lot of things. And it's like if you are a new person in a new complete country, you know nothing and you know no one. And the association and the embassy takes charge of that and they help you navigate through that difficult time. All you have to do is just go to the airport in St. Vincent and the Grenadines. Once you arrive in Taiwan, uh, you will be provided with help. Full by, support. Full support, full support by, by the embassy and the association. Yes. yes. Talking about cultural shock, everyone, uh, we don't have to say who comes from the Caribbean, even from other parts of Asia, might yes. experience some kind of cultural shock because, mm. you know, each country has a different culture. What, according to you, Nikita, is the biggest cultural shock? Oh, my. Um, I think the way we, we grew up 
you know, always having to be manly, always having to respect your elders. Um, I think I grew to the habit of morning, morning, everywhere I go, <laughs> morning, morning. And, you know, you get that sense of home when someone, you know, repeats that. Hello, 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 how are you? And for me, the culture shock came when it came to convenience. I was mm. so shocked by the level of convenience that you you will meet here when once you get to Taiwan. I mean, there's no in St. Vincent I can say it's open twenty four seven. When you need when you need banking or you need, you know, food at the convenience stores, they're always open. And it's something that I wish we had at home, especially the transportation system. But um it's good the convenience was the most shocking part for me other mm. than that i've met some really really beautiful and kind people here from my first week in taipei to my last month in taipei and now i live in taoyuan city and it's wonderful so convenience would have been it for me i'm not so sure about cerulea mm -hmm. the food was also great no yeah. problem. it still is <laughs> nikita you, you talked about actually the positive uh uh aspect of mm -hmm. uh, the culture of shock. Mm -hmm. You're listening to Underline brought to you by Radio Taiwan International. I'm Carlson Wong. Today I'm speaking with two students from St. Vincent and the Grenadines. They are Nikita Tony and Cerulia Abadie. What about you, Cerulia? Any negative uh, aspect for example mm. food i'm sure yes well that was what i was just about to say the food was the biggest cultural shock for me the food is so different and i always say that every taiwan has everything every fruit and anything that you can think about but they have no breadfruit and they have no, no planting <laughs> and nikita knows me so well and they have the, the the capabilities of growing these things and i think that was the biggest thing for a lot of us vincentians the food and we are so accustomed to cooking we cook three straight meals at home and up when we arrived here it was a shock that we had no kitchen and so that and the fact that we had to buy a hot plate so all of these things getting settled in and then the food is different the ingredients that we can replicate our food dishes at home but we miss certain ingredients and so we try our best to make sure that we shop and we have substitutes for those ingredients but that i think that's the only negative but to us, it's not really a negative because it gives us a chance to explore and to see exactly. a different side of the world. And so a lot of our students still enjoy. I remember the older students telling us, you have to settle in. You have to try. Yes. You will enjoy it. It will taste good. And after a year, it truly does. It may be different, but we have gotten accustomed to it. Yeah. And I'll just like to add where Cyrilia spoke about ingredients, getting ingredients. If Cyrilia is maybe looking for sorrel, which mm. is another um, ingredient that we use at home to make juice and stuff like that and she can't find it but I found it but then sure we're gonna share where That's we found true. it so <laughs> it's not that we're lost in terms of finding stuff because once someone else finds it, they will inform you where to get it. Mm. So I think that's another plus for us as it yeah. comes to connectivity and our network in the association. Yeah, that's mm. the good thing about networking, yes. you know. Yes. So wherever you want to find something, you you stay informed. Mm. Yes. Nikita, you are going to pursue your studies in English Bachelor in Strategic Communication. Mm -hmm. And Cerulia is going to do her master's degree in Chemical Engineering and Material Sciences. Now, um, before you made a decision for your major, did you even think about like if your major would 
actually affect、uh, your job、uh, in you know like trying to pursue a job in Saint Vincent and the Grenadines、mm-hmm. or maybe in other countries in the world?、Mm. I think that I thought about that before I came. I've always had a fascination with chemistry. Chemistry is my passion, and so when I was looking for somewhere to come, I was l- also looking at the technological and the scientific development of the country. And so before coming to Taiwan, that is one thing that I made sure to do my research about. What are their advances? What are they? What are they peaking? What are they researching right now? And I was shocked by some of the research that was being done and some of the technological advances that were underway. And that. As well was a driving force for me coming here and wanting to learn from our professors and taking that knowledge and being able to adjust it so that it can be implemented to help the citizens of my country.、Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, and um, I am a journalism fanatic. I have worked in media for over three years, both radio and television. And when I decided to come to Taiwan, my main focus was just being in a different cultural background. I wanted to see where I can, even so, work with the government, work with the foreign affairs、mm-hmm. um, division in communicating and creating a substantial communication barrier, or not barrier, but bridge for our, both our countries. So when I came to Taiwan, I knew. It will take me along the road of communication, <laughs> and that communication will not only work for Saint Vincent and Taiwan, but Saint Vincent and all its other allies.、Mm-hmm. What do you hope to bring back to your country in the future?、Um, I would like to bring back a lot of、um, multilingual communication skills. I know a lot of us we stick to that English being our home language,、mm-hmm. but there are a lot of students who are willing and ready to learn more. And with my now Mandarin Chinese capabilities, I hope to go back and somehow help the students to understand that communications is not just a one language thing. You can do it and do it well with other languages. And also, my dream job is to be the press secretary. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm the press secretary. I speak Mandarin. I speak English. I can communicate well and communicate well with our partners. So that's what I hope to bring back to my country and my people. What about you, Cerelia?、Um, well, barring the technological advances and the scientific technologies, I I can go on and on about that. I hope to bring back the ability to work well with others and to show, especially working as a team. I believe that we're not. To stick to our country,、um, or even the Caribbean alone, but we should work hand in hand with everyone、Indeed. else. And I know that often there's a cultural barrier, and so much persons may be afraid to venture out because they don't know what it would be, and it's 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 new to them. And so I hope that. Persons can see my experience and use my experience as an encouragement to seek after what they they want. We might not have all of these opportunities in Saint Vincent because I can't study、um, what I want to study in Saint Vincent. But it shouldn't be a barrier to persons coming out and trying to gain as much knowledge as they can in order to make the world, their country, a better place.、Mm-hmm. So we hope the both of you, you know, Nikita, Tony, and Saria Abadi. Both of you, you still have a few more years to stay in Taiwan, and apart from the academic learning, you can still learn something else here、yes. in Taiwan.、Mm. And we've been joined in our studio today by two students from Saint Vincent and the Grenadines.、Uh, the first one is Nikita Tony, along with Cerulia Abridi. Currently, there are more than 100 students from Saint Vincent and the Grenadines studying in Taiwan, and that's it for this week's On the Line, brought to you by Radio Taiwan International. I'm Carlson Wong. Thank you for listening. I'll see you next week. Thank you. Bye.
Thank you for listening to Radio Taiwan International, broadcasting from Taipei, Taiwan. Check out our website at english.rti.org.tw. Again, that's english.rti.org.tw for the latest news and features from Taiwan. You can also listen to our programs and watch videos as well. Our 60-minute English language program can also be heard every day at the following times and frequencies. In southern China and South Asia, from 1600 to 1700 UTC, on 9405 kHz. Again, that's in southern China and South Asia, from 1600 to 1700 UTC, on 9405 kHz. And in Southeast Asia, from 0300 to 0400 UTC, on 15320 kHz. Again, that's in Southeast Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kHz. We'd love to hear from you. Please send your comments to P.O. Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Again, that's P.O. Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Or send an email to rti at rti.org.tw. Again, that's rti at rti.org.tw. Also visit us on Facebook. The address is fb.me forward slash Radio Taiwan International. Once again, on Facebook, we're located at fb.me forward slash Radio Taiwan International for videos, photos, and news of interest from Taiwan. Thank you once again for listening to Radio Taiwan International.